They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect dogs as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen a video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Doing the Nasty Podcast. This is season 2, episode 31. I know what you're thinking, do these guys even podcast? I'm going to say, back the fuck off. That's right. Don't laugh at them. We're busy, man. Come on. Cut us some slack. Fucking read my ass here. I I, I saw, and I shit you not, I saw a bumper sticker today that said, if you're going to read my ass, pull my hair. That's a classic. That's an old school one. Is it? Maybe uh, yeah. in America, the fucking yeah. the Valley of Heathens and Scotland. Amer- Americans we- love their vile, perverted fucking bumper stickers. In Scotland, we don't do that. It's back the Good. fuck off, you cunt. <laughs> I also think it's trashy. It's really trashy. The only thing the it's car was like having the fake the fake testicles. Hanging so literally, off the what I was gonna say is all that car was missing was a fake set of balls hanging from the bottom. Um, yeah, I was like, okay, I, I just the, and then you know the car drove away and its exhaust was not proper. There's like just that black smoke coming at the end. I was like, that you don't even get to be pithy when you're fucking violating the fucking air code, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, Disrespecting let's... Mother Earth is not sexy. <laughs> Angry old man corner instead of doing the nasty. <laughs> kids play their music too loud. Um, I don't like their hairstyles. Uh, right. Anyway, welcome back to doing the nasty. Yeah, we've had a, a short break, but it's not because we couldn't be bothered doing stuff. It's because Mark got married, which I would yeah, I... argue, did. I would argue that if you're going to have a break from podcasting, that's the time to do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think well, we, we, we snuck one in. Yeah, the last time we recorded was shortly before the wedding. <laughs> it was like a week October. before. It was like a week yeah, before. And, yeah, and this is now the very beginning of December. So we're uh, knocking, uh, peek behind the curtain, knocking two episodes out today. Yeah. So Yeah, they're going to get one this weekend that we are recording. And they'll get one on the final day of uh, Teapot's Collective content before it closes down for Christmas. So they're technically getting two this month. So nice. once again, I say to the listeners, back the fuck off. Right. Yep, you'll, you'll get it. It'll be worth the wait. Trust me, because we got some. We <laughs> we got a that. smorgasbord of goofy fucking shit to talk about you're between making, these two episodes. <laughs> you're writing. You're writing checks here. This podcast cannot cash. About like, like, I don't know about that. There's there's some movies being discussed. I don't know if they're even remotely interesting or worth our time. There's at least one. There's at least one in here that I think really, really is, and the the other three dotted around these two episodes are movies of various different talking points but I, I i don't know necessarily where the quality there within lies the conversation is always fruitful so we'll, we'll see what we can deliver there i suppose the first big question is now that you're a married man you will have noticed that life has completely changed everything is completely different you woke up fresh a married man and like that the, the coffee tasted a little sweeter the sunlight came through the curtains a little brighter um yeah everything i only want to kill myself about five days out of the week and not six days so it's it has been yeah it's there's definitely been some changes one of my favorite things when i got married was everyone's like oh that once it's done it's done and i woke up the following day and then realized nothing really nothing was different like like it was cool but nothing was different and then like i just thought is this just something that people say i think it is i think like everyone like once you're married, you are that person that has to say that to someone else. I think it's kind of passed down like the videotape and ring. Like, like, you have the curse of telling someone that their life will completely change. Doesn't change at all, folks out there. Uh, like like all, all, it, all it does is uh, is afford your partner some rights 
uh, which she should be afforded anyway, regardless of a ring or not. So yeah, there we go. Especially but yeah, if I like good. crash a truck out on the highway or something, you know, <laughs> I want my I want my life insurance money to go somewhere. But yeah, yeah, the no the the trick to it all is uh, you marry somebody that you don't fucking despise, which yes. I think a lot a lot of people make that mistake and they marry people that they don't actually fucking like, and then they're miserable the rest of their fucking lives. Yeah, uh, I I got pretty lucky. Not only is my wife super rad, her whole family's pretty rad uh mm-hmm. yeah the wedding was i i couldn't believe that like a hundred fucking people showed up to come and see us get married and it was like a, a big deal but you didn't uh, think yeah. you had that many friends is that what you're saying no no <laughs> at least not not local ones like i am like you know yeah it, it the guest list turned into a hundred people pretty fucking quick so oh, yeah. i didn't really i didn't really send invites to like a lot of our, our podcast bros that i know live on like basically fucking tatooine and it would be a huge <laughs> huge pain in the ass to come over here to the wedding like i, I wish everybody that i know could have been yeah. there but you know yeah. I, I like I, I went to my travel agent and said wyoming and they're like that are you did you have a stroke well, i mean like, that's not a real place <laughs> you made that up <laughs> like, isn't he a character from star trek and i was like how dare you and i was like casper and the like like the friendly ghost and i was like oh fuck off right <laughs> what we're doing here no <laughs> Sort of adventures. No, it looked look great. Uh, congratulations! I'm sure all the listeners are uh, also behind me and congratulating you and becoming a married man. So, um, yeah. of course, there, there there is now like the, the beauty of it is you close one door and then all the expectations for other things from outside parties now begin. So, um, like, if, why are you gonna have a baby? I want grandchildren. Literally, what happens as soon as it like as soon as it, and, and it makes me like like there's no get out of jail. Like you could you can you can have a baby and not be married, but then the question is when you're getting married. So as as a catch twenty two, um, as as the snake eating its tail, um, and all you can do is is deflect it as well as you can. Um, I think we're gonna do okay on that one because on my side of the family, like all of my siblings except for me and one other one, all have given my parents grandchildren. Oh, right, yeah, the pressure's off then. <laughs> like, <laughs> there, well, there might be a little bit from the the other side of the family, ah. but like I said, they're they're pretty cool. They they know that that's not something we're interested in right now. I yeah. like I like spending all my money on Blu-rays and fucking. <laughs> stupid shit right at the moment so i don't know we'll, we'll see what the future holds but yeah for now that 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 one question is kind of kept at bay i guess nice nice well we're back we're back and like you said we're giving them two back to back so i mean the energy levels in the second episode are going to be high i mean that's that's a given uh but yeah i'm looking forward to this we have two uh, two movies to discuss on this episode which um i mean well we're gonna get into it. one is don't answer the phone um which was not originally called don't answer the phone they changed the name so it would be like lumped in with all those don't movies which like i've yet don't yeah like i mean is there any like really good ones i don't think uh... so i've yet to see one out with that that trailer that was it edgar yeah. wright did um, yeah, the, Ed- the Edgar Wright Grindhouse trailer for Don't's better than almost all of the movies oh, that start with the word Don't. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and we're also going to be doing a little bit of Norman G. Warren. First time we're covering one of his on the in the, uh, the video Nasty's list overall, but he will have at least I think in uh, in Seminoid is somewhere um, in the in the wings uh, for us to cover somewhere. We already. covered it already. Did we? That's how. Yeah. See, I can't even fucking remember that, Mark. Uh, that may as well have been. A decade ago. It feels like it. Jesus Christ. Yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that couldn't well. have been. A, I remember that. That was this that year. That couldn't have been a year ago. Yeah, uh, it couldn't have been more than a year ago. But it no, it was definitely like this lifetime. year. Definitely was this it? year. Yeah, definitely <laughs> this year. Because I only covered it on podcasts under the stairs last year. So, so yeah, it must have been this year. But it might as well have been last year. So we're, we're following up with uh, the movie that he made before, um, which is Prey. Um, which is decisively more cheaper. Uh, yeah, that's what we're doing on this episode. Is it going to be a mixed bag? It's going to be interesting to discuss, for sure. Uh, but before we jump into doing some uh, movie reviews, kicking us off with the aforementioned prey on this episode, um, any other business, B-Snatch as the kids call it, any other B-Snatch that we want to cover before we jump into it, Mark? Uh... I signed up for the Arrow channel. Oh, how are you getting on with that? Uh, 
trying to remember what I watched. I, I watched a sweet Italian cop movie called Colt 38 Special Squad, I think it's called. Yeah, it's so good, man. It's fucking, oh, it's, I was like <laughs> shocked how much I liked it. It's, it's just the baddest of badass cops fighting the fucking skeeziest, like most evil fucking terrorist mm -hmm. dudes. It's got the uh, the Cipriani fucking score, so like it's very very Italo disco kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. I I fucking loved it. It, it was like, like I, I, I it, it, was, it was it was one of those like this has a cool cover, and so I clicked on it and watched it. Kind of deals, like, and especially like this time of year, like I'm sure you feel the same way. We watched so much goddamn horror in October <laughs> after we need, like. I need to like dip our toes in other waters a little bit. So yeah, yeah I've been watching. Like, I've been trying to watch like a, a lot of like uh, like martial arts movies and like you know skeezy cop dramas and stuff like that. Nice. So yeah. um, a, that, like, the Arrow Channel has a ton of that. The official term, the official Italian term, is Polizitesi. Um, and they are so they kind of existed in parallel to uh, the Jallo, but essentially took over. So when people started like falling out of interest with Jallo movies, all those directors, so like your Filchies, your Martinos, um, your your Aldos, etc., all uh, your Lados, sorry, uh, all went on and did Polizzi movies. So there are tons of them from the mid to late 70s and I've yet to watch one that I haven't liked they're all fucking great um, so yeah and Arrow have put out a ton of them so if they're if they're on their channel then uh, batter through them you will not be disappointed they just get like more fun and uh, more absurd and the cops get even worse as they go along like they're like dirty harry on fucking steroids like the, the, right. there is no line there is no blood line there just isn't a line between the cops and the and the bad guys kind of makes me love them a little bit more um uh, so, exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> i am um, i on the other hand uh, didn't try and take the foot too much off the horror um and i did a, a series of uh, witch based movies in october for podcasts under the stairs which finally made me get around to what Watching uh, Lux Eterna. Now I know there's a lot of people out there going, "What the new Metallica song?" No, not the new Metallica song. The the movie by Gaspar Noe that he made in 2019. This was just before he um, was diagnosed with like it was like a brain aneurysm or something, which almost killed him. Um, and then he returned with the movie Vortex, which is still my movie of the year. It's not a horror movie. It's just in general still my movie of the year. But uh, Lux Eterna is about a 50 minute movie about it's like a kind of play on the film industry um kind of chauvinism versus feminism and the salem witch trials all done in split screen with about 20 minutes at the end with just this fucking droning fucking synth sound and you being assaulted with like all these different um like greens reds uh, and blue lights just flashing constantly wanting to trigger an epileptic fit um and it's kind of fucking amazing <laughs> it's really fucking that man's a, a cinematic terrorist all of his movies i'm like this is meant to cause me harm in one way or another oh dude it's like it like because it's shot like it's shot on a set with a handheld cat it's like you know it's it feels like the office you know right. what I mean? It's like kind of that level. They're all like shooting the film and all the rest. And then like the last 20 minutes takes a hard twist. And then you're just like, this is hell. Like, <laughs> just devolves into depravity like most of his movies do. Yeah, like like Frank, skinless in the in the Leviathan and Hellraiser 2, scraping the words, help me, I'm in hell, is watching the last 20 minutes of Lux Eterna. Um, it's, uh, like, oh, it's so fucking, it's just out. It's just like that guy doesn't have like a, let's aim for the mainstream switch he's just every <laughs> single movie is just pitched for yeah let's just see how far i can push the envelope it's is really 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 good thoroughly enjoyed Sweet. it so um that was probably up there amongst the best first time watches of older films uh but like the movie that is is like the movie that i cannot sing enough praises for honestly i think it it might end up topping my list this year for horror movies and once again, I know there's people out there, I can he already hear you, like, frantically going, another a movie, and I don't give a flying, I, don't, I do <laughs> not give a shit. Um, the movie, it like, it, like, fucking floored me, um, is You Won't Be Alone. So, it's a first-time director, 
Um, and it's set in Macedonia. I think the, the language might be Spanish, though. And it's 19th century witch movie, right? Uh, set in a small town where he... And I can, I'll give you the premise of the first five minutes, right? And then, like, go forth and check this movie out. It's widely available in America. It's kind of hard to get over here. But it's fucking incredible, right? It just, like, set your... Like, someone posted on Instagram, uh, one of our... One of our uh, it was Andy Clark, actually, who follows us through in the nasties. Um, I'd obviously heard my review. It posted on Instagram saying, uh, Duncan says this might be one of the best movies of the year. I'm going to watch it. And all I said to him was, be prepared to swoon. Um, to which I got a message about two hours later saying, swoon has commenced. Um... <laughs> Like honestly, so it's it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, if you took under the skin and the witch and fucking Brundleflied it. That's Jesus. that's the movie. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah. So um, right at the beginning, woman, uh, it's like small rural village, nineteenth uh, century, well maybe eighteenth century Macedonia, and um, she comes to see her newborn baby. Uh, and there's a like burned hag over the top of her who turns out to be the local witch um, and um, she begs for her daughter to be saved um, and she creates a covenant with the witch that basically says give me 16 years with my daughter and I'll turn her over to you then but I want to watch her grow up into a woman um, to which the witch uh, seals the deal by cutting the daughter's tongue out so the baby's tongue comes out thus making sure that she can never speak. The mum tries to hide her, um, and then ultimately the witch gets her. But in this one here, uh, so this girl's been locked away from the world, like living in a cave, so she doesn't know the world, a la very similar to Under the Skin, where you have an alien that doesn't understand humanity, right? And Like the woman. Yes, oh, dude, right. But in this, the what's revealed is a witch's power, um, if the get the entrails of an animal and put them into their chest because they all have holes in their chest if they put them into their chest they assume the shape and form of whatever they put in their chest so this girl um starts like basically stumbling through a series of unfortunate events where she finds people who are, are dead or you know have just died or whatever and puts their entrails inside her but then lives their life for a period of time Oh, the, sweet. Oh, dude, man, it's fucking... Like, she learns what it is to be fucking human through the power of witchcraft. I was just like... I was watching, I was like... Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> like just all the way through. It is, it is so fucking well shot. It's fucking amazing. And it has a small bit part in it with uh, Naomi Rapace, who is just amazing in everything and considers to be amazing in this. Uh, like, yeah, it's fucking incredible. Might top my list. I'll be honest, the top spot has got three movies currently now in a fucking three-way death battle to see who will come out victorious. And it'll be the rewatch on all those movies at the end of the year that will determine it. But it is really... It's something quite special. It really, really is a fucking incredible... Very, very, very subtle. It's a very, like, surprisingly careful movie from a director who was doing shorts before this. Fucking nuts. Absolutely nuts. But that's my that's my choice picks for the people out there. Go and check it out. Trust me, you will not. You will not be upset. Right. Let's talk about something that'll make us upset. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a short break, listeners. You're going to hear learned folk talking about the movie Prey. Um, when we return after the trailer, me and Mark will be discussing Prey. Now, uh, don't be going out there going, Prey's that Predator movie, right? It is, but it's not the one we're discussing. This is from 1977 by exploitation auteur Norman J. Warren. Myself and Mark will be discussing that movie right after this. Norman J. Warren's Prey. Norman, I love you. But let's be honest, this is pretty slow. Okay, it features lesbianism, it features cannibalism, it features aliens, but it's all a handheld camera job, really cheaply made, and a bit slow, really. I mean, it comes up with some really outrageous ideas, though. I mean, I remember one book saying that it featured some of the strongest images of 70s British horror, and what they're probably referring to is an actual fact, the uh, main scene that it was all geared around, which was the cannibalism scene with Barry Stokes there, actually seen in the uh, quota quickie, as it says, all British quota programme uh, notes here for distributors. And as you can see, it was on a double bill with Charlie One Eye. Um, 
Well, I mean, what can you say about this movie? I mean, Barry Stokes plays a half dog, half alien called Cantor. He told me that he actually kept the uh, the fangs that he uses in the dog disguise. So he obviously had a good time making it. Some of the actresses, like Laurie Annan, didn't, because when they're thrashing around in that uh, stagnant pond, they all had to get tetanus shots just to make sure they weren't sick afterwards. Obviously, the budget was so low, they couldn't afford any special effects. So what you basically get as um, anything alien is like a few torches sort of waved in the face off camera. But hey, you know, you took it with good grace in those days. It was only shot in 10 days, so it probably made money. And I remember Norman actually did announce a sequel called Human Prey that, sadly, was never made. But he did make Outer Touch, a sort of a sex alien version of this, and that also starred Barry Stokes and Gloria Annan too. So they went on to bigger and better things. I mean, it, it's a simple movie. It, it, it's one of uh, Norman's warmest. It's certainly one of his cheapest. This was shot three years before in Seminoid, and in America it was called Alien Prey. But, you know, all that endless thrashing around in that pond, I mean, really, you just get enough of it after half of it, and it goes on and on and on. Obviously had to flesh out the running time, but the cannibal scenes, what it's all about, and especially Barry Stokes in drag too. Uh, Barry, never have that sex change operation. Cato to command ship. Command ship. I am now in orbit. Proceed with mission. UFOs, fact or fiction? Space explorers are figments of the mind. <coughs> made contact with human life forms. New identity established. Are aliens already amongst us? Command ship. Command ship. Their immediate reaction aggressive. To take terminal action. Continue with mission. Why are they here? Success of total operation essential. For a million years, man was the hunter. Now, he is the prey. <laughs> Prey. Certificate X. And welcome back, ladies and gents. You just heard the trailer for Prey. This movie uh, was released in 1977 and is directed by Norman G. Warren. It's based on the story by Quinn Donahue and Max Cuff. The, <laughs> the cast here, limited, we have Barry Stokes, Sally Faulkner, Glory Annan, uh, Sandy Chinney, Eddie Stacey, Jerry Crampton, Derek Kavanagh and Kelly Marcel. Of that cast here, two of them have bit parts. One of them is a voice on the radio and the other one is a child who remains uncredited. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, we're limited cast here, limited budget. This movie was made for fucking nothing. And it was also made in like 12 days and also made before the script was even written. They were like, we can finance you make a movie, not a lot of money, you need to make it next week. And Norman G. Warren was like, I'm your fella. Um, it's like, uh, the synopsis for this one is a deadly shape-shifting alien infiltrates a country house occupied by two lesbians. All right. And proceeds to study their behaviour for a sinister purpose. So not porn, right? I uh, just want to stress that. That wasn't the sinister purpose. Um, so yeah, I, I covered this on Podcast Under the Stairs as part of the Bloody Terrors Norman G. Warden box set that Indicator put out about fucking four years ago now. But I finally got around to it last year. Prey was a first time watch for me. Now, I know you saw it at a film festival, isn't that right? Yeah, this played at Fantastic Fest in either 2019 or 2020-ish, somewhere yeah. around in there. Uh, I think in the States, Vinegar Syndrome put out a Blu-ray of this around the yeah. same time. I think that screening was put on by the nice folks at AGFA, the American Genre Film Archive, that always dig up goofy fucking shit for these <laughs> festivals. Um, yeah, this was part of a, a, a queer genre film hmm. panel. I don't remember what any of the other movies were, but I, I call like a matinee of this. And uh, uh, I gotta say, actually, I kind of like this movie quite a bit. You and Derek, Derek Bourgeois, my buddy, like have a soft spot for this movie that I don't understand. <laughs> like, I think it's extremely ahead of its time for 1977. Mm. I think this is a pretty progressive uh, depiction of like two people, like you know, you know, two two, two lesbians like kind of yeah. living their life, and then they get mixed up in this uh, 
alien who looks like an extra from cats when he's in his alien form he's kind of a <laughs> kind of a shapeshifter and yeah his alien form is fucking silly i'm sure they i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure there was a q a with norman j warren or like somebody like it was either him or one of the producers mm. or something that they played like it was like a pre-recorded thing that they played before and um I didn't get like skeezy exploitation vibes from yeah for, from this. this this seemed like it came from a place of earnestness and yeah like the alien I'm pretty sure like they wanted to do something better than they could but this is kind of what they could afford it's fucking hella goofy um and yeah the yeah the the, the cheapness of this movie is like right on the surface it's, <laughs> it's pretty pretty abundantly apparent it all takes place in kind of one location which is this massive fucking farmhouse that these two lesbians live in and yeah this weird alien dude like kind of just comes into their life and you know the 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 one chick is like immediately super suspicious of this this guy because he he comes to them in the form of like a, a male human yes and uh yeah so so the one chick is like super suspicious of him but that's kind of like her whole personality is she's extremely protective of her partner the i think slightly younger chick that's like kind of more of the like uh you get like country girl in and the in a big city vibes from her like yeah. she's 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 pretty sheltered and hasn't got to experience a lot of things and is like as the, as the movie goes on she kind of figures out that she's like massively being repressed by her partner and her partner is kind of gaslighting her into like staying and there's like some definite suspicion that the 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 other chick has like like basically killed her previous partner right you, you'll have to forgive me it was about a month ago that i watched both of these movies i've seen prey a couple times now but uh yeah so sometimes we forget these things after a while but um yeah so the, the, there's some suspicion that she killed her previous uh i guess husband with like this giant comically large fucking uh the fold out knife i was gonna call it a switchblade it's like a fold out knife and so, so there's already like a lot of weird baggage and then this fucking weird alien dude shows up and like eats the bird and is like can't eat human food like i, I think these two these two ladies are like vegetarians and they try and feed him a salad and he just like barfs it up and <laughs> they like try and get him drunk at one point they have like a you know he he he, he kind of they to a degree they kind of warm up to him and like he, he's you know i think it's implied he's staying there for like a few days or whatever and shit starts getting weird like animals start showing up fucking mutilated and stuff but so the one chick's you know suspicion of this guy and want for him to fuck off like increases throughout the movie and the other chick becomes more enamored and infatuated with him kind of throughout the movie so we get like a weird love triangle kind of thing going and like honestly like i like i said i think a lot of the lesbian stuff in this movie is it, it's definitely like towing a line at a point where like this seems kind of exploitative and pornographic but also i think it's i think it's super fucking ahead of its time and it's pretty progressive and uh it shows it shows these characters in like a not you know there's always the temptation i think to make these characters 100 like super likable mm. like like people are a little bit afraid to use I guess what you what you call like a minority group is like you know a a, a point of negativity in your movie or whatever, mm -hmm. but like that's that's super unrealistic. Like the I, I think these two characters are, you know, they're they're definitely flawed. They they've definitely both got their like weird fucking hangups and shit that's going on, and maybe are murderers. But uh, <laughs> like I, I I think I think they're fairly realistic, especially for 1977, and uh, the the love scenes are super fucking hot in this <laughs> like, yeah i was starting to get the vapors in the theater a little <laughs> bit maybe i had to had to go back to the airbnb and take a cold shower after this one but um yeah i i, I, th I think it toes it toes the line nicely where it doesn't become too exploitative like offensively so and still creates these characters in a light that is what i would call realistic basically the the horror this is pretty light on horror mm -hmm. like like i said we get we get some mutilated animals which uh, some of it i'm like eh, that probably was a real chicken and i didn't really need to see see its mutilated after parts <laughs> but um 
uh, there's a, I think the end of this movie is pretty fucking shocking. It's <laughs> some yeah, well, fucked yeah. up shit that happens at the very tail end. If you want to jump in, yeah. Well, well like my like my hangups on the movie as a whole is I just find it very dull. Um, I think that's what like, I I come back to and like watching it back this time around again. Now knowing, I mean, it is an is it's under an hour and twenty, and it feels just so much longer. And a lot of that is to do with when you know a little bit more about the history of the movie, most of this is improvised. Um, and, like, the they kind of had a loose idea of... The script is written day-to-day, you know, like, and or, or improvised on set, including the love scenes, which are all improvised as well between uh, actresses. Um, I, I just find that there's a lack of focus, and as a result of that, there's just a real lack of editing skill in this movie. And as a result, it just continues... To really meander quite a bit in the middle, like the the opening kind of introduction of the well, the, the alien character, is kind of cool. I like it. You know, it's like they didn't have the budget to do anything fancy, uh, so they stuck to what they could do, and it kind of worked well as an introduction to that character. And it's then, like Night Beast, if you remember uh, that yes. one, it starts oh, yes. just like Night Beast, almost the exact same. It's like they just couldn't, like they just couldn't do anything. Um, and then you get the the other end of that, like you were saying, like the end of this movie is is out there and it's like full on. But there's just almost like an hour of this movie that is just it feels like it plods and plods and plods and plods and plods. And it's mostly single set location because no money. It's, you know, like you see, it's kind of carcasses flung around because we could probably get them quite cheap from the local butcher and we don't really need to worry about any great deal of kind of prowess in the, in the storytelling and cinematography. It's kind of clear what the movie's aiming but the problem, with the, the overall problem is this is a movie that feels like it has a huge scope in its idea and just very small execution. Which is funny because we mentioned just a little bit earlier on a movie like Under the Skin, which if you take out all the sci-fi elements of Under the Skin, like all the stuff with like the black room, the yeah. you know the like the kind of the, the the very end of that movie, and take it down to kind of base level, she is just interacting with men and driving around. That is still better done than this, which is yeah. weird because that's it's on the same level. That movie like Under the Skin did not cost a lot of money. To make in the grand scheme of things, yes, you have Scarlett Johansson, which maybe that's that's where you win out, maybe. But it's mostly non-actors. There's a couple of the cast in here that weren't actors before making Prey. Um, it's improvised script. It's the same thing here, and it makes me wonder if the difference being that is not one set location is what elevates that movie in terms of propulsion. I think it's it's hampered by the fact that the escalation is the last like 10 minutes in the movie and it doesn't build to that escalation it kind of runs flat till we jump to that point and that's the bit that gets me um at least when you're watching Inseminoid when you watch that movie it's kind of batshit from from 30 minutes in and you like you strap in and it's just gonna get crazy 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 it's this, more way more of a popcorn movie than this. This yeah. is a lot more like small scale and intimate. Yeah. I think. I think. I think that's where it falls for me. I think there's a cool idea here. I think there's a really cool premise. I I don't even mind the the kind of goofy fucking like like fucking Thundercat makeup that the the has on his face. I don't even mind. Like I understand that's a budgetary thing. I think I just find the storytelling to be plodding. I've got nothing it could, it could definitely actor. use a yeah. tightening up, like you said, the editing. Yeah. I, this could probably be a good ten or fifteen minutes shorter. I, I think, think I think you could make tighter. this a half an hour and it would work great, and there would be no pacing issues. I think it just feels stretched beyond its means, and that, as a result of that, it's kind of off-putting for me. I would not disagree. I think it is surprisingly forward-thinking in terms of its portrayal of you know like a like a homosexual couple on the screen. You d- you didn't get much of that beyond this point without horrible cliches and caricatures like you know like up into this point that you know there would have been one attractive woman and one butch woman um and the butch woman would have been suspicious in this movie you don't get that and these these feel like an organic couple i love that their dialogue feels natural because it's made up on the spot so it's two characters it's two actors just talking to each other so that's why it feels natural and organic it's like a precursor to mumblecore um yeah and you know i i like those elements 
it's just the story is we we're, we're stretching like that way where you see if you grab your your without going into details here or too many details see if you grab your testicle sack right and you <laughs> like you like you see if you just have it in your hand and you put like a a, a lamp behind it the light doesn't really shine through it. See, if you stretch the skin like out really thin and then you put over said light bulb, you can see, you can do shadow puppets behind it and it would come through. Norman J. Warren is rolling in his grave from that analogy. Right. He's fucking loving it. He's like that stretched <laughs> testicle skin. Why didn't I think of that? That's the he seems like he had a pretty good sense of humor for that. Oh, dude. Right? So like, yeah, you, he, he would probably like You have no, no fucking idea. He'd love that description. He'd want it on the poster. Um, he'd be like that. He, he, he's talking about the bat wing. You know where you stretch it out and you can see all the veins. Um, but the, the the thing is, that's the story. It stretched so far to the point that I could, to be honest, I could have used a better analogy. But um, it stretched so far <laughs> to the point that you can physically see through it. Um, and that's my problem. There's not enough story here. Um, and that, that becomes an issue for me, especially in a movie that's wading into exploitation territory. Like, it doesn't have great despians behind it. Or you know the the slow burn pacing of like a master filmmaker. You have no. you you have essentially a really cool concept here, but a clumsily handled on the screen. And as such, it just fe- constantly feels like there are huge swaths of this movie that just feel like there's an anchor attached to it. It just doesn't move at a pace which I feel the movie, and once again, it's my hang-ups, and I'm in the minority on this one on two recordings now, because like I say, Derek was like, no, I really like this movie, and I was like, you're a madman, and now you're telling me you like this movie as well, so maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm looking at it and going, just expecting a little bit something more from it, but, well, but I find I, it a bit a bit slow. Which I, th- I think is completely fair, and like I, th- I think kind of where I'm at with it too is that like, I really, really respect the swings that it's mm, taking, yeah, but yeah. not maybe not so much like the actual execution in it. Basically, I, I think it's it really is like attempting to do some like, and I think Under the Skin's a really good comparison because both movies this is almost like a gender swapped Under the Skin, kind <laughs> of, yeah, 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 because they both like on the surface are kind of like you know creepy exploitation movies, but like they're also exploring like a lot of ideas about like. You know about gender and about sex and about violence like especially towards you know either men or women depending on which which one of these two movies you're looking at and i i find a lot of that shit really interesting and i, I think these are kind of ideas that like horror and genre and exploitation movies i think handle better than a lot of things oh, like yeah. I, I would way i would way rather watch uh, a, a lesbian drama that's got a an alien in it that looks like he's a member of Cats than just like a plain old boring you know lesbian drama kind of thing like yeah I would much I would much sense. rather watch Prey than I would like a movie like What Women Want oh Mel yeah. Gibson can hear inside women's minds I wonder what they're saying <laughs> oh they're talking about boyfriends oh lol you know what I mean I'd much rather watch this but like I say I think yeah you I. I always get I always get a bit because part of me feels like I should cut the movie some slack and then the other part of me feels like I probably shouldn't like I think it's fair for me to say that the movie just is you know it, it just feels like a, like a, a like a stretched idea which which goes on too long and the movie kind of struggles to handle that but you are right for all the clumsy setups to this one all the clumsy pitches let's use a baseball analogy of which i know nothing about baseball of all the the, the clums, clumsy pitches at the batter <laughs> um like there's there's no shortage of swings here and when it does connect it is a home run but there's just a lot of strike ones strike twos in this you know i mean i think i got everything right there in my analogy i'm very I'm, proud of myself you're asking you're talking to the wrong guy you're american mark just agree I, with me i don't I don't go okay. <laughs> right, You're right. An American has signed off of Field what I just goal. said there. <laughs> Sports ball. Um, but that's 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 what that's how I feel. I feel there's a lot of missed swings, but you know the the movie at least one or two times does connect, and when it does, it gives you a glimpse of what could have been a much better movie. Um, but frustratingly, most likely due to budget and due to the fact that. You know, the movie was written as it was being filmed, 
that kind of feels like that was, it was kind of doomed from the start in a lot of respects. And the fact that there was even something salvageable that did manage to do a lot that resonates is kind of a testament to Norman G. Warren, who was the consummate, right, the next movie. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That's behind me. And like, he, he, you can see the passion. He never phoned it in uh, in any of these movies. So I, I kind of get that through it. I just, like I say, I think the movie um, struggles to keep my attention in huge sections that do doesn't have naked women rubbing each other um, <laughs> which well, it makes me sound like a horrible person but I am so that's fine <laughs> we're, we're only we're only human Duncan and yeah I, I agree I, I think your mileage on this is going to vary depending a lot on how much time you want to spend with these characters <laughs> I thought you were going to say how much time it takes you to fucking jerk off <laughs> I was like that's a, that's, a, like, that's a very good point Mark that's You're what the fast forward button was invented for. Let's be honest. <laughs> right, let's let's bring it in then here. And the last thing I will say is I do love the score to pre. Oh yeah, it's, yeah score is fucking bitching. And in fact, oh, the yeah, score and all score. yeah, all Norman G. Warren stuff has got like bitching score. The score reminds me a lot of Extra. Um, and just that is like weird and trippy and synthy. Um, that you know that 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 does, that does make me smile. So at least this was definitely the the golden age of analog synths. Oh, this is good, this right. is I talk about this all the fucking time mm -hmm. on podcasts. This was when you knew one crazy dude that worked at the university that had a, a fucking room full of weird <laughs> yeah. computers and fucking musical instruments that probably was worth ten million dollars <laughs> at the fucking time. And he said, "Here you go. Here is our movie. Make some weird noises." And uh, yeah, this one definitely yeah. is uh, is score fucking. Did just as like a series of synth players that wanted to be in a band but they couldn't construct that set up on stage to allow them to play oh fuck no no yeah that, that, you're you're waiting a few years before you could get one of these fuckers in a truck in fact like one of the first uh like moog advertisements like you would see in like music magazines or whatever was like if you can afford a truck you can afford a moog <laughs> and, like just the idea of that one like yeah i'm, I'm staring at a fucking device that costs one fortieth of what a fucking truck costs yeah. and it does everything, everything a music studio can yeah this is the like, times have changed for the better um yeah right let's 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 bring this in then pre um for the listeners out there we do a different grading system here we base it kind of on our attitudes of someone watching of the era uh, that the list was made and we we categorize them into four categories uh one is good old-fashioned hard time which is reserved for the movies that are particularly nasty they're like really pushing the edge those really bad ones your eye spits on your graves and your last house on your lefts um we then have a little bit of community service so that's the the you know the the ones that are you know you're getting you're getting a bit rowdy but you know you're maybe not as bad as the the the, the you know the the hardcore um, then we have the good old-fashioned slap on the wrists. That's uh, right. You're you're in danger of doing something that might upset some people. So just watch what you're doing and try and toe that line. And then we've got the good old-fashioned case dismissed, and that's reserved for why is this even on the list? Uh, Mark, what are you going to get? Pray. I, uh, this is a tricky one because me, my 2022 eyes personally, this is a fucking easy case dismissed. This yep. is like one scene where I was like, oh, that's a little bit nasty, but the rest of this is pretty tame. Uh, as far as the sensor goes in the early 80s, uh, I guess it depends on how homophobic and transphobic you are. If that sort of thing really bothers you, uh, there's lots of this. The, like if the, if the sight of a grown man in a dress really freaks you the fuck out, then... <laughs> I guess you're going to be a little bit more harsh on this, but uh, it's about to be 2023. Let's get 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 with the fucking program here. Like g gender is a dying idea. So uh, and the same with, you know, heteronormative sexuality is like, like who fucking cares? Like I, 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 I there really isn't that much like actual violence in this movie. Like, there, yeah. There's some violence towards women. And you couple that with, like, you know, lots of sexual themes, like, it, it's definitely going to freak people out in the early 80s, so I'm sure this was a pretty easy uh, one to throw on the list for them. But, yeah, nowadays, this is this is super tame. Mm. Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm in the camp of Case Dismissed as well. I don't think... I don't think there's much in this, like, at all that merits its involvement on that even based on some of the movies that just were not banned at this time like 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 77 78 79 uh there are movies that show a lot more than this oh movie. this is yeah this is also the golden age of the porn theater yeah. so i mean like yeah there you could go one theater down and you could see like deep throat yeah 
so to, to me it's that's that's kind of that's kind of where i land on this one is like i would dismiss this um and that's that movie so that's pre we are gonna continue on the good times with our second movie which is don't answer the phone i know what you're thinking I why are you yelling it has it got an exclamation point at the it end does of it? actually yeah oh, okay perfect <laughs> i don't i don't know any other way to read it you know i'd be like i'm ron burgundy yeah we're gonna we're gonna discuss this uh kind of low rent slasher movie um which like i said before had its name changed uh because we want to bring in the don't idea because it had been so successful up until this point right you don't gonna, don't do it <laughs> don't take a break don't review the movie don't watch this movie don't stretch your testicle sack out the way i mentioned earlier on i don't <laughs> think that's medically safe um like, just, just want to stress that at all it was to describe something that i'm sure i have never done before we're gonna have at least one listener that just burns their fucking nutsack on a fucking hot light <laughs> this is how a loss it starts uh the podcast told you to don't don't do that don't uh, don't exclamation mark right we're gonna take a short break you're gonna hear people talking about the movie from the video nasty documentary you're gonna hear its trailer when i return myself and mark ball discussing don't answer the phone right after this and next up we've got don't answer the phone now this is probably one of the sleaziest movies i've ever seen um so you can see why it probably got the attention um under section three essentially it's the story of vietnam vet which was kind of like one of the favorite um sort of uh, story devices of the 1970s and in this case, what you have is essentially is a fat somebody with bottom problems, played by Nicholas Worth. Remember, he keeps on saying he's a problem with his ass, and he phones up um, a very attractive uh, lady psychiatrist on the phone, and he taunts her. Basically, he's a photographer, and he goes around taking pictures of models, and after he's taken pictures of the models, strangles them, and in one instance, he takes a prostitute home and gets her to phone up the woman on the show and then kills her while he's phoning up. And in fact, Nicholas Worth was actually, um, one of the good things about the film was I think he actually put in a very dedicated performance as a complete sleazeball. In real life, he was actually um, on the, the manual, so he was a Green Beret, um, and his hobbies were, I think it was kickboxing and fencing and wrestling, which fits very, very nicely in with this. The trailer makes it out that what you're going to be watching is when a stranger calls or Halloween or something. You can see why this film was actually filmed as a Hollywood Strangler, which is far more appropriate title. Um, Don't Not's Phone, there's very little phone actually in it. So if you're going in expecting to see Babysitters in Peril, it would be funny to have sat there with an audience expecting to see Carol Kane or Jamie Lee Curtis being menaced by someone in a mask and actually getting an overweight Vietnam vet strangling models, which is essentially what you get with this. You can see why this got the attention of the law. Um, interestingly, um, one of the things I love about these films, and not necessarily this film, but a lot of these films, we actually look at the exploitation, and this is um, the term they use, and you look at the manuals they used to put out for cinemas, and you used to term it exploitation, and one of the things they had for the cinemas in America when this came out, what they said, was actually get a phone on a desk in the lobby and start um, ringing it, so people walking past would pick it up, and there would be somebody going, don't answer the phone and things like that, which I think is a great idea. And essentially what it is, is kind of like almost a right-wing reactionary film in the manner of, say, the Death Wish films. Because what you have is these two very kind of sleazy cops um, in it. The female DJ is essentially is a, an emancipated liberal um, force who is then completely destroyed by the end of the film as well and has to be saved by men. So all round, this isn't a film to show your feminist friends. Okay, well, not surprisingly, this came out from World of Video 2000, which, um, as it says, it's tomorrow's world of video entertainment today. And of course, it's Stablemates, I can guess, and not one of the better term. It was Nightmares in a Damaged Brain, which is one of the most notorious uh, video nasties. Well, just as an example of how mad things were back then, uh, David Hampton Grant released uh, Nightmares in a Damaged Brain on the, obviously the same label as this. And even though it was only a few seconds longer than the BBFC sanctioned release, he got sent to prison for it back then, which it just goes to show we were talking about a very, very different time, and it's obviously a scary time um, for be putting films out like this. Run, if you must. Hello, operator. An emergency, can you help me? Hide, if you can. Scream, <laughs> if you are able. Who's there? But above all, if you are alone, don't answer the phone. Yeah! Yeah! 
He is out there, somewhere in the crowd, behind you, beside you, ready to kill again. No attempt to conceal the body. It's almost like he wanted to be discovered. The nurse, the mother, the starlet, the student, the secretary. I am frightened of you. What does that do to you? this person because I'm too strong he had done it before he would do it again he is doing it now don't answer the phone and welcome back, ladies and gents. So, you've just heard the trailer for Don't Answer the Phone. This is directed by Robert Hammer. That's right, can't touch this. Uh, who else That's got to be a fake name. <laughs> got to be. Is he related to the Hammer family? Like Army Hammer and... I'm not, I'm not no. going to bother looking no. that up. <laughs> no, he, he, he only ever made one movie that was this, right? So, uh. I'm going to say it probably wasn't. Uh, yeah, our, I, I was going to call it Army Hammer. That's not right. Uh, <laughs> Robert, <laughs> no, uh, he's eating people. Uh, Robert Hammer, uh, who did the screenplay. Michael DeCastle, who did the screenplay. And Michael Curtis, who did the original novel, which is based on, called Nightline. Uh, the movie stars James Westmoreland, uh, ben Frank, Flo Lawrence, Nicholas Worth, Denise Gallick, uh, Stan Hayes, Gary Allen, Michael DeCastle, uh, Pamela Jean Bryant, Ted Chapman, Chris Wallace, and lots of other people. Um, and the synopsis for this one is listed on the IMDb's as a deeply disturbed Vietnam veteran terrorises the young woman of Los Angeles and taunts a radio psychologist with descriptions of his grisly crimes. So, a couple of things I want to mention up the front here about this one. This was a first time watch for me, right? So I, I think I thought I had seen this one. Turns out, I had not, right? The original title for the movie is much more apt. The original title was called The Hollywood Strangler, which makes a lot more sense, right? That's a way better title. Yeah, Don't Answer the Phone doesn't make much sense at all because there ain't that much phone call action in here, right? It is in here, but I don't understand. Well, I do understand it's a marketing thing, but at the same time, I'm like, ugh. Um, the second thing, and it's probably the thing I loved most about this movie, is it's basically the LA Maniac. You know I mean? This is made 1980, Maniacs made 1980, both of them come out same year, and both of them employ pretty much the same style of filmmaking. It's all guerrilla, it's clearly all shot in the street without, street without permits. Like, you can, you can like they're on the other side of the road filming the dude walking, um, right. which is usually a good sign, everyone is passing is not an actor or an extra, which is usually a good sign of, like, we don't have a permit to do this, roll, roll, roll! Um, yeah, you're trying not to draw attention to the fact that you're illegally shooting a movie on the sidewalk. Yeah, it also it captures just that nice, horrible, grimy Los Angeles that I love. Um, it really, 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 really does. And like in a way where, like, you can almost taste the the, the air. It's just like uh, it smells uh, like shit. Yeah, it just like it's like everything <laughs> about this movie just has like a like a like a, a greasy coating. Um, which just especially does... our lead character who yeah. looks like a cross between Alex Jones and Kevin James. Dude, this dude, right? Um, <laughs> this dude here, who like. I think did actually serve in the military, from what I'm led to believe, from what I heard, from what I read in uh, factoids online. I think he did actually do that, and as a result, there is a degree, as a slasher killer goes, he does have an intensity about him, which is kind of cool. Um, the biggest hang-up I've got with this movie is, I just kind of feel like I've seen all this stuff before like a lot of this before and it also comes out the same year as Maniac and Maniac is like a hundred times the movie this is um, yes. and that's that's kind of what I kept coming back to during the watch it, it felt like a, a kind of low rent slasher an idea which was already kind of starting to feel a bit tired in 1980 and we're only really just starting to hit the swing of slasher movies um, 
it kind of straddles that line of kind of pure exploitation and slasher where there's they try and blur the lines between what is a movie and what doesn't feel necessarily like a movie and um it's got some okay performances i i i do like um flo lawrence in this one um as the you know as the psychologist i think she turns in a great performance but uh out with out with her killer um it's all kind of it's all kind of paint by numbers and to the formula and kind of cheap um and that that is that's that was my overriding kind of sense coming out this was you know i like the setting and that's its strongest suit you know i mean i like where you've set this movie very similar how to the the remake of maniac sets it in la because they couldn't really shoot it like that anymore in new york because new york just doesn't look like that anymore but there are still areas of la which are very much kind of skid row-esque um, and the, lo- the location creates kind of a vibe, basically. Yeah, like, yeah. You could, you could see you could see this guy like doing these things in a place like this, and maybe getting away with it. Um, yeah. So that all worked in, you know, the kind of procedural aspect of it is very vanilla. Um, like so these are some of the most incompetent police officers I've ever seen on screen. Um, and and I'm being honest, like they are, they're terrible. Um, and the kind of psychological back and forth that, that's written here is just written really clumsily. It should be more tense than it actually is. I and think a lot of this was improvised. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was either. I think that it just it felt very A to B to C in a very pedestrian sort of way. That being said, some of the deaths are gnarly. Like Some of the deaths are really, really cool. I love the strangling aspect. It's kind of what we're calling it a slasher movie. But for all intents and purposes, it isn't really because of the way he's killing them. Um, so I like that aspect. And I, like I said, I like the back and forth kind of cat and mouse thing it does set up. It just never really pays off in any great way. So it's a movie that is burst, you know, bursting with ideas that could be kind of cool if other movies weren't doing them in the same time period a lot better. Uh, so that's kind of that's my rundown on Don't Answer the Phone. How did you get on with it? Uh... So I was just like three fucking times in preparation for this. I, I think I think one of the times I kind of like wasn't feeling it like about halfway through. This movie's pretty nasty. Like, like yeah. I said, it does have like this really grimy fucking just like sleazy kind of vibe to it. And everything is just like it's it's shot. It's shot really competently, but like it uses this weird film stock or at least the version that I watched that's on Tubi. Like it just like. It, it looks weirdly out of time. Like it's, it's somewhere between like the, the super grainy shit of like the seventies mm. and the kind of starting to like play around with like, you know, different film stocks and like video, like shooting on video was going to start becoming kind of a thing. There's this weird in between time where stuff looks really weird. It either looks like this or it looks kind of like a soap opera yeah. or something. Um, but yeah, this is a this is a pretty fucking nasty movie. Like this, this has some. I mean, it starts with like like it, it immediately jumps into the stuff that's gonna bother the censors, which is this is a dude like uh, like having some sort of like a ritual with a fucking upside down cross in a room that's all black with like candles and stuff. So like, there's some slight implied like occult stuff. There's definitely I, again we get we get a horror movie that is trying its damnedest to explore some like sexual sexual and psychosexual themes because yeah the our, our killer has this cat and mouse thing going with uh the, the character that like i don't even know if this is a thing anymore the radio talk show like radio talk show host call-in show where like they're <laughs> like a therapist <laughs> yeah or like dr rose or shit like that i don't know if any of that's like even fucking a thing anymore but um so yeah, they're they're the I, I it's it's kind of a weird vehicle to be able to, because eventually like the, our killer captures this woman that like he's infatuated with, and they have like this weird like therapy session where she's tied to a fucking chair, and it's just like your dad didn't love you, did he? And there's like all like it it kind of it, it's it spirals into fucking complete nonsense like towards the end of it, I think kind of, and that that's where like I think a lot of the improvising is going on like. Especially with our like, our, our our killer in this movie, like this dude like acts like he fucking just like snorted a ten foot line of fucking methamphetamines before every scene. Like he is definitely giving it his all, and it becomes a little bit grating towards the end of it. And like, 
just like so, some of the stuff like that they tried like fling at this guy's character like i don't know like like a, a lot of the psychological stuff and it's 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 a little ham-fisted and yeah it becomes kind of nonsense towards the end of it i think and like it, you're it, this, this this leaves you with a real icky feeling like mm. afterwards and yeah, most of the violence is directed at women um he's like a like part-time pornographer basically i i do kind of love the character of the the big fat guy that's just like <laughs> smokes cigars and like collects pornography from these mm. weirdo photographers and pays them in cash that whole that whole thing is like that that adds the skeezy la vibe and like is probably explored explored in better movies like Neon Demon comes to mind. Mm -hmm. uh, is like explores kind of some of the same ideas better, but um, yeah, I don't know. I I'll, I'll probably never watch this again. <laughs> yeah, like like you like you kind of said. There's lots of movies that do everything that this movie does way fucking better. Yeah, Maniac's like, the really... one that kept striking me is like that. Yeah. You've got two movies in the same year that are that kind of. Th hangover i suppose is the best way to describe it between 70s exploitation and 80s slasher you know they're striding the line of we haven't quite made the jump yet but so we're bringing a, a kind of exploitation aesthetic to a slasher kind of setup like a, a kind of slasher sort of genre and we haven't quite worked out how to to, to bring the the aesthetic over as well but yeah like what like i can't imagine any scenario where I'm going to be like, you know what? I said, don't answer the phone, mate. Because, <laughs> like, I don't... I can't ever see me doing that because I know... It's, it's like me sitting there going like that. I have two options tonight. I can watch Scream or Urban Legend. You're going to watch Scream. Like, I mean, there's no... There's, like, there's no competition there. But in a world where Maniac exists, why would you watch Don't Answer the Phone? Well, and this might actually be one that would be okay for people that don't really like like what we think of when we say slasher movie yeah, nowadays. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. there's there's a certain tongue-in-cheek aspect to it. Really, what this and Maniac are are like the lone wolf serial killer movies, yeah. or like yeah, Hen yeah. stuff like Hen Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, which definitely is like the bleed again late '70s, the heyday, the golden age of the fucking serial killer. Yeah. So, like stuff like this is like. Like people, people, I don't think we're quite ready at this point for stuff like Jason Voorhees or Freddy Krueger or whatever. Mm. They're, they're they're exploring more like you know Travis Bickle type stuff. Yeah, like grounded. The, the stuff yeah. that like could like is maybe loosely based on you know real. It, it, it's te it tends to like delve more into into real world type shit and like yeah. Again, I think your mileage is gonna vary depending on which side of that spectrum you fall on. Nice, right? Well, let's let's score it then, my friends. Um, on this one, I like because it is grubby, and there's no getting around that. And there are scenes yeah. where it does get. I'm gonna go slap on the wrists on this one. I think it does. It traverses a line where it is. Do I don't think. I think the concepts and ideas are maybe a bit more gnarly than the execution of the deaths, even though they are done well. And the point of they have that exploitation sheen on them that does make them more realistic. That being said, once again, thinking of movies that were out, out around the time, um, I don't think it pushes things to a level where I'd be like, oh yeah, this is some community service up in here. But it's definitely above a case dismissed for sure. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with slap on the wrist. Swap it yourself, Mark. I'm kind of thereabouts. I'd probably give this a little bit of community service because mm. I think that like this actually does... I, I, I think visually what you see in this movie is it's it's pretty nasty and it's extremely grubby, but it's not nearly as bad as some stuff we've covered on the list. But I think a lot of the ideas that this is exploring and a lot of the stuff that it throws out there is pretty fucking dark and disturbing. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to make this one go pick up garbage on the side of the highway. <laughs> Very nice. Right. We're going to take our final break of this episode. When we return, myself and Mark Ball closing out right after this. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, LegionPodcasts.com. The Psychosemantic Podcast. And you've been listening to Doing the Nasty. This has been Season 2, Episode number 31. We've covered pre and don't answer the phone. 
exclamation mark remember um this is continuity we have to do it um yeah another two movies in the bank now you won't have to wait long at all because me and mark are literally hitting stop on this recording and then doing the next one and it will be out on the 24th of december for you christmas eve the day that we closed down the the podcasting studios for a couple of weeks to uh, get our well-earned christmas break um however the next episode <laughs> oh jesus christ it features a christmas movie at least yeah, one of them yeah you like you mentioned it and uh, like i clocked it as well when i was watching it i was like at least it lined up we are going to be doing rabid from david cronenberg his uh, second full-length feature and follow-up to shivers um and we'll be doubling up with demented uh yeah i'm really looking forward that's a fucking movie, man. Harry Reams, eh? What I did. What a legend. Uh, you mentioned Deep Throat earlier on. That's, um, I mean, let's be honest, that's uh, that's his background, isn't it? Um, yep. So, <laughs> not Deep Throat, and just want to stress that. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be discussing Demented and uh, Rabid. Uh, Mark, where can the people check out your stuff while they wait the mere two weeks until we return? So I know in, pre- in previous previous episodes, I've been steering people towards Twitter. That's mm. probably uh, that's 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 coming to end. So come and find me on Instagram. It's uh, the fancy Mark. Uh, I signed up much like a lot of people did for a Hive account, even though it's been down for a couple of days while they figure out some security measures. Uh, mostly, I wanted to swoop up the name Fancy Mark on there. So uh, I'm on there. Uh, I'm on Letterbox. I'm still pretty active on there. I think that's Fancy Mark. Uh, New new album should be out before the end of the year. Hopefully by the time you guys hear not this episode but the next one, the new album should be out. Uh, it's got a name. It's got it's got album art. The name is uh, Black Cat Under a Blood Moon. Uh, that will be on Bandcamp. You can find me on there. Just search either the name of the album or me as an artist. I'm Fancy Mark on there, and we'll be on streaming services probably beginning of next year. Very nice. Go forth. Do it give mark a merry christmas um yeah, make me money <laughs> make me rich make me very rich <laughs> right from myself uh, thanks very much for checking out this episode of doing the nasty like i say the next one will be dropping in just over two weeks time where we return and we discuss a little bit of demented and a little bit of rabid but until then from doing the nasty podcast this is myself and mark ball saying goodbye goodbye They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.